This podcast is presented by All Copy Products, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Learn more at allcopyproducts.com. To the 15, to the 10, Murray's going to score, touchdown! Welcome to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. Slammed to the ground by Budabaker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. Connor to the 10, to the 5, and into the end zone for the touchdown! The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by Arizona Cardinals Podcast. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast. Here we go. One-handed catch and a touchdown. Oh, baby. How's that feel? Here's Craig Grealu, Paul Calvisi, and 13-year NFL veteran Drew Stanton. So the game was just two days ago, Christmas night. Cardinals lose at home to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 19-16 in overtime. But since that game, gentlemen, by the way, a belated Merry Christmas to one and all here on the Cardinals Red Sea Report. But since that outcome, there has been both news on and off the field, which I think Paul should be expected considering what this season has been all about on and off the field news. Yeah, putting the bah and the humbug into things after that loss on Christmas night. Oh boy, let's see. The heartbeat of your defense. And uh, shall we say the leader on that defense on and off the field. And uh, guess what? Uh, They're going to go on the list of those who uh, are going to be missing through the rest of this season, as seemingly almost everyone has on this team at some point. Monday, Buda Baker fractured his shoulder during Sunday night's game. That news confirmed by head coach Cliff Kingsbury to you, Paul, and Ron Wolfley on Kingsbury's weekly TV show, Cardinals Game Plan. And then earlier this morning, Drew, J.J. Watt goes on social media and breaks his own news once again, announcing that he has two more games left in what is a Hall of Fame career, announcing his retirements after maybe one of the better games he's had, best two games he's had so far this season yeah you know he's playing at an extremely high level and to be able to uh, to do that you you, uh question it because as uh cardinals fans everybody's sitting saying well things can't get much worse can they and they just continue to roll downhill it's like the end of the season feels like i can't get here fast enough for fans and that's unfortunate because you want to do that and they're still again speaking from a player's perspective there's so much to be gained individually and collectively for this team because you want to be able to feel good going in the offseason you don't want to just go out there and pack it in and there's young guys that are getting these opportunities and guys like Greg Dorch guys like Billy Price that are getting another chance to reinvent themselves those are the guys that you're rooting for and I know that most fans don't want to hear that or believe that or see that but when you see two iconic members of this team um, make announcements like this, th- that will affect this franchise moving forward, not just for the rest of these two games. Um, hopefully, Buddha will be back and, and be back to what he's capable of doing, and he will be. Uh, but J.J. Watt has meant so much to uh, this organization in a short period of time, so much to this league, if you're looking at it, right? Uh, you look at that 2014 season that he had that came to mind where he's finished second overall in MVP just period based off of that uh unbelievable season that he was able to have and being the humanitarian that he is again the the highlights of what he does on and off the field are remarkable being able to be a mentor for Zach Allen and really help his career take off um you know a small sample size with Cam Thomas and being around him all of these guys that that pro offer these pros that are 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 comfortable with sharing um what makes them so elite is something that's just remarkable and so uh though it was only for a short period of time here to have somebody like J.J. Watt uh 
in all aspects come in and re- replace Larry Fitzgerald uh, for that you know being on the podium of a guy that everybody looks to and reveres in this state uh, as a pillar of what you want to be uh, and who you want your kids to look up to right when this guy walks away from the game and like you said first bout Hall of Famer all of those things it's off the field that he made his mark as well off the field, on the field, and especially just two seasons with the Arizona Cardinals head coach Cliff Kingsbury on the professionalism that Watt has shown these past two seasons. He's, you know, inspiring the way he practices. You know, he, he's put his money where, where his mouth is because he's talked to the team about playing and being professional in, in this circumstance that we're in. And um, he's definitely backing it up and it's motivating for the staff and the players. And that's what we've heard, whether it's through post-game interviews, Paul, or the Hard Knocks cameras. J.J. Watt, especially late this season with the postseason out of reach, he's tried to motivate his teammates, be selfish, play, play for yourself. And he's done exactly that since the team has been eliminated from the playoffs. I mean, we're talking first ballot Hall of Famer as a player and a leader. Just the way he holds other guys accountable. Just the way he leads by example. Just the way he talks to the team. I mean, Drew, just when we watch him in hard knocks, the way he addresses the team, he's got to be in the 90th percentile of coaches in just the public speaking skills and the command he respects in front of a team. It's got to exceed a lot of assistant coaches in the way they're able just to command the room. So, look, at this point in a 4-11 and season, you're either part of the problem or you're part of the solution. J.J. Watt was most definitely part of the solution. So, yeah, we're happy for him. It stinks for the Cardinals, right? It's not a ding for the Cardinals that he's leaving and announcing his retirement. I just hope I just hope that a 4-11 and season hasn't impacted his decision. I hope this was a decision made many weeks, maybe even months ago, because if all of a sudden he decided at this point in a losing campaign, I would have loved to have seen him maybe waited until February until things he kind of recovers from a long season, a lot of losing, and a lot of drama off the field, and then maybe made that decision. I hope we don't get somewhere around the Super Bowl and he regrets this decision. So that's one of the questions I think I'm going to ask him when and if we get a chance to talk to him in the, this week. He's stayed healthy all season long, which is something that he has struggled with certainly recently in his career. And then you wonder about family life, Drew, because a newborn son, how much is it now not about him, but about his family. Yeah, I think that plays into it for sure, especially you know, when you get over 30 years of age, you start thinking about a lot of things. And football, wherever that is, lies, um, you've got to take an honest assessment each and every year. And to Paul's point, I mean, we've seen a surge from him like we have not seen in a couple of years. So maybe he knew for a while that was the case. Maybe having, you know, a newborn, you look at that and you say, okay, like your world changes. We all know that as fathers that you look around and you're saying, okay, well, I used to just be about myself, but you start thinking about moving the family. You talk about doing all of these things. And, you know, for the vast majority of us that, that make a career of this, we're doing it, you know, to provide for that family. And he's obviously financially secure. He has has all these accolades, as we talked about, being a, a Hall of Famer. All of those things play into it. And look, I think with two weeks left to go, he wanted to just kind of put it out there and be able to be at peace with it, especially talking about his last home game. But there's nothing saying he can't come back either, right? We've seen retirement doesn't mean what retirement used to mean in this league. We saw Tom Brady come back. We've seen many people come back from Brett that. Favre. Yeah. 
So in saying that, I'm not saying that that's the type of person that he is or that's what he's going to do. Um, but you would also say, okay, so you're not telling me next December some team that's on a hot streak and they need a pass rusher or a guy to come in that he wouldn't at least look into it? Because, again, he's going to be in shape. He's going to take care of his body. Like All of these things that will lead you to believe it. I'm just curious uh, once Paul actually talks to him of why now. Because, again, like again, he's earned the right to do whatever he wants at any point in time whenever he decides to do it. But take the offseason. Take the ability to digest what's going on because there are a lot of moving pieces within this. And maybe this organization isn't as close as he thinks. Maybe Cap, all of these things play into it. They could have told him, you know, we're not capable of bringing you back or Whatever the case may be, he has earned the privacy and the right to do it uh, because when you get forced in these type of situations, like we saw with Tom Brady, he retires because it was out there for however long and then he unretires and now he's talking about retirement again or going to a new team. All of these things, each case is so individual. On Sunday, J.J. Watt had six tackles, two tackles for loss, two quarterback hits, playing a season-high 77 snaps. Now, there were 81 snaps in that game on the defensive side, and Buda Baker played all 81. Don't know exactly when he fractured his shoulder, but Kingsbury, again, on his weekly TV show, said Buda was just acting like it was a bruise or something and, quote, plays the entire game and turns out it's a fracture. Tells you all you need to know about the type of teammate and person he is. And we've heard coaches talk about Buda Baker in that aspect. So let's go back to Hard Knocks. Bill Davis addressing his linebackers talking about Buda Baker. Man, I want to challenge you guys. Somebody play harder than Buddha in a game. Watch where the sun comes from here. Try to play harder than him. What kind of defense would we have? Should be your goal every game. Can I how hustle Buddha Baker? And so far, Paul, the answer has been no. No one has been able to out-hustle Buda Baker. There was that high ankle sprain earlier this season, still played, and we haven't heard from Buda himself. Maybe he is not completely out for the rest of the season, but I would think a fractured shoulder would eliminate him. So apparently he just thought it was some sort of bruise, and he's like, okay, and he's sort of working it there under his shoulder pad, and he's like, yeah, I'm good, and then after the game, it's a fractured shoulder. That's like Ronnie Lott stuff. Just take the tip of my finger off so I can get back in there and finish out this season. That's the sort of guy Buda Baker is. And it's not just Bill Davis. Somebody tweeted out that infamous clip from Mike Tomlin on the Steelers sideline where he's just absolutely giving props and plaudits to Buda Baker and yelling out his name. Basically the same thing. Can we play like Buda Baker just running around like some sort of crazed assassin? And if you look at this season for everything that it hasn't been, it really hasn't bottomed out in terms of effort, intensity, urgency. In fact, we saw it last year at Detroit, home against Carolina. That hasn't happened yet. So I think everyone's radar is up in these last two games, minus Buda Baker. J.J. Uh, Watt, you hope, fills that void like he's been doing quite a bit. But there's no doubt he is the heartbeat of that defense. The effort was there on Sunday. Did not end with a win. Again, 1916 Cardinals lose in overtime to the Buccaneers. Trace McSorley's first career starts. He was 24 of 45 for 217 yards, intercepted, did lose two fumbles, although second one I don't think was his fault. That was Keontae Ingram, but again, officially it goes as McSorley's fumble. Kingsbury on, he, on how he thought McSorley performed on Sunday. Yeah, I thought he battled. I mean, that's a good defense. It was obviously some stuff we'd like to have back, but... Still had us in a position to win the game there late. Thought we were moving the ball well. Weren't able to convert there on that third and one and turned it over, which which really I thought kind of turned the tide in their favor. 
McSorley's fourth season, Drew, but first career start. What did you see from him? Again, it's Christmas night, prime time, Sunday night football, and you got the greatest of all time, Tom Brady, on the other sideline. Yeah, I thought he did a great job, right, for what he was asked to do. He played within the confines of what they were doing. They were trying to be a ball control offense, stay on schedule. Uh, you know, I would have liked to see them try to establish the run a little bit more, be able to help him out and, and play action. We saw some stuff under centers. We heard Ron Wolfley talk about in the red zone that he liked. Again, until you're out there and it's live bullets, it's all just kind of okay, let's see if this works. And now there's a sample size. Now he can actually go watch himself. And, uh, you know, I don't know if it's been reported what's going to happen this week yet or where, where they're going to go with quarterback, but that's the, the thing about being a third-string quarterback is you have zero idea, idea when that opportunity is going to come again. So you have to relish it. You have to make the most of it. I thought he did, did a good job. He didn't lose the game and, you know, do anything like that, knowing that they were going up against a Tampa Bay team that is really reeling right I mean this is the first time I've sat and watched them from start to finish and that is not a team that that looks like a playoff caliber team and they just found a way to win um you know the last waning seconds the latest on Colt McCoy he remains in concussion protocol but Kingsbury did mention Paul on Monday that they are hopeful that Colt can come back now whether that makes sense or not everyone would like to see a healthy Colt McCoy going into next season. But Trace McSorley, a second start, maybe even a third start, you can only see improvement because, yeah, you get improvement from year one to year two, but out from your first career start to your second career start and a second week of full first-team reps. Yeah, and if there's one area that he can improve in these last two games, if he is indeed the guy, that would be third down. And obviously Todd Bowles brought it, brought numbers, brought the blitz, didn't seemingly give him the same look twice on third down. Cardinals struggled on third down, 5-19. and 19. And even when he made the right decision, there were times where he didn't make a great throw. Overthrow, underthrow. So we'll see. Does that have to do with nerves? Is that his overall accuracy? How much better can that be? Obviously, the chemistry with DeAndre Hopkins needs to improve in an extra large way. It was amazing, Drew, just to watch the instant chemistry he had with Greg Dortch. From the get-go. Yeah, and I'm guessing that's because of their time spent in the preseason and then probably running scout team. Yeah, I mean, that's where it all stems from, right? And that's your security blanket because when you're out there running scout team and you're doing stuff and you're you're running plays off of cards, there's a little bit of freestyle to that. And so you saw that within the confines of those plays. And, you know, to your point, I think it's a mixture of all of those things. It is a little bit of nerves. It's a little bit of, oh, man, this happens a tick faster than it even does in practice. I remember having to say, okay, you know, with certain guys, they come out of their route so much faster. And with DeAndre Hopkins, you know, based off of what we know from his practice habits, might not be as ready to go and, and longer, you know, in the tooth than he is now and, and all of those things. But on game day, you've got to find a way to get the ball to him. If he is going to start again, I can promise you that DeAndre will have more of an impact. But you go with what you know, right? You saw Greg Dortch, and it seemed even whatever you want to call it, there were game planning to get Greg Dortch the ball. He is a firecracker of a type of a player where he can change it and he can add that spark that you need where you know some of these other guys are more stagnant. They're doing that. We saw Hollywood Brown have a couple catches. You'd like to see Trey McBride get more involved again. The more you can kind of push some of these younger guys along, 
along and see what you have because that bottom of the end, end of the roster that all you know all 53 that you keep they're going to have to play at some point in time and so now as you look towards next year and these type of pieces Greg Dorch has asserted himself maybe to be the number three here next year I mean really because Rondell Moore you don't know what you're getting week in and week out with him he can do the exact same things that Rondell Moore can do it's going to be an interesting thing as it transpires but somebody like Trace McSorley if he gets another opportunity I do believe he'll be more relaxed he'll be more confident he'll be able to learn from previous mistakes and now you've got to go on the road a different environment it is a week-to-week business and you've got to be able to adapt to these type of situations of going on the road to Atlanta against a rookie quarterback and it's a whole different set of circumstances yeah Desmond Ritter going to be making his third career start in as many weeks and McSorley going to make his second career start potentially again we'll get the latest as the week progresses as far as who the quarterback will be for the Arizona Cardinals we know that J.J. Watt has two more games left in his Hall of Fame career he made that known earlier on social media more on J.J. Watt's announcement on a very very productive not only 2022 but a career that spans five Pro Bowls five all pros and three-time defensive player of the year it is the cardinals red sea report presented by seat geek your ticket to great seats craig Rayalu, drew stin and paul calvisi we do it every tuesday at 11 a.m year round talking all things arizona cardinals football this is the arizona cardinals radio network Cousins, four-man rush, back to pass, hand in his face, it's J.J. Watt, and he sacks him inside the 30. That is Hall of Fame, J.J. Watt. Hit and sack, absolutely mauled by J.J. Watt. That's like turning around and all of a sudden Jaws is there, ready to swallow you up. Hit by J.J. Watt and sack, back at the 21. J.J. Watt gets home. Pressure coming, and Herbert is sacked at the 40-yard line. J.J. Watt sacked by the future Hall of Famer, J.J. Watt. J.J. Watt making a huge play. Met in the backfield and taken down. And J.J. Watt is there. Boy, he continues to make big plays when the Cardinals need him most. Cousins in the pocket in trouble. Hit. Sacked by J.J. Watt. Oh, my goodness. J.J. Watt, are you kidding me? Stafford back to throw in trouble and sacked by J.J. Watt at the 20-yard line. The Hall of Famer there again when you need him most. Leads the team with nine and a half sacks, 14 tackles for loss. J.J. Watt earlier on Tuesday announcing his retirement via social media. He's got two more games left in this, his best season since 2018. Now, missing from that Dave Pash, Ron Wolfley montage, Paul, was a tackle for loss on Sunday that you had the call, and a number of stops for no game, including in that first quarter, that first couple of possessions, Leonard Fournette stopped for no gain on second and one. Watt and Marcus Golden stopping Fournette on third and one for no gain. Again, this is year 12, and there is no signs of Watt slowing down, but he is going to call it a career. In fact, there was a moment in the second half, Sunday Night Football had a montage of his get-offs and him splitting the double team, and just the quickness, right? The alacrity, if you will, to use a big Mike Tirico word, getting off the ball and getting into the backfield. (laughs) This guy looks like he's in his mid-20s. So then to get news of the retirement, 
he's playing some of his best ball right now. He's, he's walking away from that craps table in Vegas up big. He's taking a big stack of chips, and he's just going to cash those things in. Uh, he's been playing some great football. I mean, you watch him even out in this practice, these practice sessions, even when they're the glorified walkthroughs and they have the D-line drills, and they'll line up and they'll do the 10-yard dash, okay, and it's a competition and all 10, and there's a lot of young guys out there. He's top two or three in the 10-yard dash to get off and sprint for the pylon. So there's no doubt he, he's been he's been leading both at, in the locker room with his leadership, but then also with his play. And, and and one of my lasting memories from this season, and and I'll never forget it, was just the big smile he had in that first half at Denver. And then you realize not only was it a three sack first half, but it's all the incentives that he hit, nearly a million dollars worth. And you realize why that smile was quite that wide. It's you always want to go out on top. It's very difficult to walk away when you are playing your best. And I'd argue, again, J.J. Watt is being is playing very, very well this season. And on Sunday's pregame huddle, we were speculating, myself, Kyle Vandenbosch, and Bertram Berry, that you talk about playing selfish football these last remaining games, that J.J. Watt was earning himself a paycheck next season, whether here or somewhere else. But Watt says, no, I'm, I'm done. I'm going to walk away with my health and playing at my best. Yeah, health and wealth. It's a beautiful thing to walk away with. Uh, you know, but you also look at the position he plays, right? There's that selfishness that plays into it there because of how he can impact a game. He can go split a double team. He can do all these things. And he, he understands when to take those calculated risks. Again, the, the guys that are the elite of the elite are the ones that understand not only physically how gifted they are, but mentally what they can do to get to that next level. And, and to go out and have three sacks at any point in time in a, in a half, regardless of what age you are, what you're doing, it's special, uh, especially at this level of what he was able to do to impact the game there to have nine and a half sacks at this point I'm sure he's going to do everything in his power to get to double digits because there's probably something in there too about all of it uh in saying that again I think you're just looking at an iconic player for this league that's been able to impact it in so many different ways and if he decides to call it quits as it appears he's going to you look back and you say man the the ability that he brought to the football field to impact games was so unique I mean I remember game plan against him early in his career the one year I spent at Indianapolis and it was like how can we make sure this guy doesn't wreck the game how can we make sure that this guy and the game plan revolved around him because he was so big, so strong, so powerful, but also understood the game within the game. And so, uh, you know, for him to be able to give that knowledge away, to be able to do all the things that he did and to be only, uh, you know, calling it quits at this point, it's unfortunate. But you also, you know, respect the game that and what he uh, brought to it. And you've been saying halfway through this season Paul when you look at number 99 within the NFC West the best number 99 wears an Arizona Cardinals uniform not a Los Angeles Rams uniform it hasn't been Aaron Donald it hasn't and a lot of it started with that first matchup against the Rams and I I thoroughly I'm convinced that J.J. was sick and tired of hearing everybody talk about 99 and it wasn't him or at least he wasn't even in the conversation so I mean here's a guy as a three-time NFL Defensive Player of the Year, just like Aaron Donald. And you forget, it's only upon his retirement this morning where you see some of those stats he put up. Like in 2014, you realize he was the first player in NFL history with multiple 20-sack seasons, and he was three years into a career. That was the same year where he was the first player since 1948 with three offensive touchdowns and two defensive touchdowns as a former tight end in Central Michigan. And I didn't realize until this morning 
that when he walked away from Central Michigan, I thought he transferred directly to Wisconsin. He didn't. He walked away from football, went back home, and then spent an offseason working and getting in shape and then walked on to Wisconsin, this time as a defensive lineman, a defensive end. So he's been doing this on his own terms, and he's going out the way he came in. Remember how he made his announcement via his yep. Twitter account. There he was in the squat rack wearing an Arizona Cardinals shirt. I was like, wait a minute, is this for real? Someone photoshopped it? Is this really his account? Same thing earlier today. Why on a Tuesday with two games to go, all of a sudden J.J. Watt would announce his retirement? Well, that's the way he operates. His tweet, if you missed it, he mentioned that Christmas night was his newborn son's first NFL game and his, quote, last ever home game. And then he added, my heart is filled with nothing but love and gratitude. It's been absolute honor and a pleasure. End of tweet. Again, he leads the Cardinals in both sacks and tackles for loss here in his 12th season. His teammate, Zayvon Collins, not surprised by what Watt has done this year. He knows what he's doing. You know what I mean. I just tell Jed, do whatever you want. I'll make you right in the back end. It's easy because he makes it just. He makes a decisive decision and goes with it. So yeah, um, no surprise there. JJ's been doing that forever, and uh, it's not. It's nice having that in front of you as a linebacker. The production on the field, and then what he has meant off the field in that locker room to a Cameron Thomas, to a Zach Allen, who has played very well in his two seasons as a teammate of JJ Watt, and being one of those coaches, one of those leaders in the locker room. Hard Knocks capturing J.J. Watt post-game speech at Denver. I'm not going to stand up here and tell you it doesn't suck. It sucks. It's brutal. But what I do have respect for is everybody busting their b- I appreciate the willingness to come in every day and be a man and go about your work and go about your business, even when we all know what the situation is. Don't lose that. you got to try and get better each day, please. Like, for yourself and for us as a team, both equally, because right now the reality of the situation is, is you're also doing for next season. Because the unfortunate reality is that we're not going to the playoffs. So take care of yourselves. Study. Don't let up. Hit the weight room. Hit the books. It's not time to pack it in. It's time to work and put yourself in a better situation. If you are going to talk the talk, you had better walk the walk. And J.J. Watt has... And we've seen it several times, Drew, when he makes these speeches, whether, again, it is post-practice or post-game, and he is doing what exactly he wants his teammates to do. Yeah, I mean, again, if you just take that soundbite right there and you apply that to anything that you do in life, you'll be successful. If you apply that as a young guy and you are all ears to what he's saying, I mean, it, that was so well put in so many different ways about what it's like to be in December football when you have nothing left to play for. Can you go out there with the same approach regardless of the situation and put your best foot forward for yourself individually but also for this organization? because everybody's watching you. You're you're constantly being assessed in this business. And from a guy that's been there, done that, understood all of those things, did he write that down, though? That's what I want to know. Because that was the delivery was spot on. Did he practice in the mirror, Paul? Like, that, is he practicing next to you he's when he's the, saying this? He's like, in the 90th percentile of motivational speeches. Is he not? He's better than most coaches in this league. Yeah, like, is that written down? Does he just pull I mean, or he's just thinking about, again, there's things that, that veteran guys see. And so being around it long enough, he understands what, needs to be said and when it needs to be said um you know and lucky enough hard knocks is here to capture it and what's amazing is that was in denver and after the game they let the media in pencil necks like yours truly and we're at his locker and darren urban actually asked him about what his message would be to the team not knowing that he had addressed the team 
And he basically gave a, a very succinct recap of that to the media. And then we saw it in Hard Knocks, and you're like, oh, yeah, that's exactly what he said. He's not kidding. He's not embellishing. That's what he delivered to the whole room right after the loss because everybody saw it themselves. And, Gree, you know, being around the facility in the offseason, and, yeah, he made that miraculous comeback in time for the playoff game. Now it was all for naught, and the Cardinals got trounced. We get it. But it was like a week after that game, he's in the facility. And they weren't serving lunch in the players' cafeteria. There's J.J. Watt in line with all of us people on the office side. And it was like a sports center inside sports center commercial. Because you got a bunch of us, and then the camera pans up to six foot six J.J. Watt in line. And everyone's joking, like, get ahead of J.J. Watt in the buffet line, or there's going to be nothing left for lunch. Okay, that's the kind of gamesmanship you need. Here every single day working with Buddy Morris to make sure he was healthy for this season. And this has been a healthy season even though there was that health scare earlier in the year when he had to have his heart shocked back into rhythm. Again, that was prior to him being a first-time father, and you wonder how much, again, all of this has played a factor. That's a great point. You're absolutely right. That was a true health scare that went beyond football and just rehabbing an injury. And he also got ahead of that news as well before Jay Glazer or some insider was about to tweet it out. Maybe that's what J.J. Watt does in his next profession social media influencer J.J. Watt. Well, he's got a standing invitation to join us on Cardinals Podcast. Of course, that's a standing invitation for two years now to Larry Fitzgerald, and (laughs) Fitz hasn't gotten back to me on that front yet. It's a good thing Drew Stanton took us up on that offer. This is the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. to Wolford, back to throw again, looking deep, airing it out, middle of the field, and it's intercepted, somehow picked off at the 30 by Buda, running back the other way, 40, 50, 40, Baker, 30, cuts right, and tackled to the 25. This guy shouldn't even be playing. What heart, what bricks. Buda Baker showing leadership this week despite a bad wheel. He's even hobbling now after he picks it off. This guy's unbelievable. Incredible play by Buda Baker right there. Isaiah Simmons as well. Isaiah Simmons, Johnny on the spot, batting the pig into the air, and then there was Buda Baker like we've seen him so many times before. What a football player. And don't forget, that was six days after head coach Cliff Kingsbury had ruled Buda Baker out for that week's game against the Rams until practice showed up and there was number three. And you're like, okay, maybe there is a possibility we see Buda Baker on the field on Sunday. And then, yeah, as Patch mentioned, the celebration, the post-turnover celebration, Buda's hobbling and his teammates are saying, come on, come on. He's like, no, this man has a high ankle sprain and you're making him celebrate in front of the cameras. Yeah, I can tell you the entire sideline was screaming, get down! What are you doing in there? Because they, he took a pretty hard tackle. He got ripped to the ground and it sort of uh, sent his ankle sideways a little bit, I think, you know. But it is amazing. And, and there is sort of a... Um, sort of a long-standing rule on the Cardinals sideline if something comes out of nowhere and is an absolute blur to create uh, just a collision of any sort and you're not sure who or what it was it was Buda Baker hey honestly you're like what was that oh that was number three coming out of nowhere to make the tackle and doesn't that sound like we will see number three of the rest of this regular season as we welcome you back here to the Cardinals Red Sea Report presented by SeatGeek, your ticket to great seats. In case you missed the news on Monday, 
In fact, it was Paul and Ron Wolfley that you had the exclusive with head coach Cliff Kingsbury on his weekly TV show, Cardinals Game Plan, acknowledging, yes, confirming the report that Budabaker suffered a fractured shoulder at some point during Sunday's game. Don't know exactly when, but he played all 81 defensive snaps. He thought it was a contusion. He's like, it's just kind of a bad bruise. I'm good. I'll play every snap. And then they got an x-ray, obviously, of it some point after the game and realized it was a fracture. So... I mean, you tell me, Drew, what sort of street cred does that give a guy in a locker room after you played an entire game and at some point you fractured a shoulder? Yeah, well, I don't think Buddha needs any more street cred. He's already established himself as uh, somebody that doesn't need any more of that. But again, to be able to play through that, and I'm sure there will be everybody watching now trying to go back and identify when it was or when it happened. Uh, remarkable to be able to play through something like that. Again, to, to just say, oh, well, you know, I can keep going. But that lets you know the mindset right it's mind over matter at that standpoint and you know we heard the soundbite earlier about if everybody could just play as hard as buddha well yeah i mean that that is the goal in all of this right and buddha's got to find a way to be able to you know wear off on some of these guys to be able to pull guys along with him to be able to do that and this team will be better off for it but when you're leading by example like buddha baker does and we've seen him get up and try and impassion people with the way that he talks and speaks and does all of these things but when you're going out there and you're laying it all out on the line and then you continue to lay it on the line and then you leave it all out there on the field literally all out there on the field uh there's nothing more to be said that that's the type of guys that you build franchises around and that's why he has been compensated accordingly that's why he is who he is and you sit there and you say okay as wrong as this season was in so many different ways for buddha to be able to get the accolades of being a pro bowler to be able to do all of these things uh you feel good about what he's individually able to accomplish and then next year you look at okay what can we do better as a collective whole because to your point right he was that blur that was out there and i think jalen thompson and him are as good as it gets in this league as a, as a tandem and that's a bright spot and now you have an entire offseason say okay what else can we do to be able to make them even better because there's still you know room for growth as an entire defense to sit there and, and make leaps and bounds from where they were this year it is hard to keep budabaker off the field a fractured shoulder will do so these last two games here but when you do see budabaker on the field whether it's a bruise or a high ankle sprain seeing him play motivates his teammates here's the head coach cliff kingsbury when guys realize, hey, Buddha's going to push through and play, when they told us at the beginning of the week he'd be out two to three weeks, no chance, yeah, that, it's hard not to be inspired. And guys want to play hard for him and, and um, that they play at a high level with him. So that, that meant a lot to our team. And it's the respect that he has not only of his teammates, Drew, but of his peers. Because when he, talking about Buda Baker, was named to the Pro Bowl, it wasn't just that he was named to the Pro Bowl. He was named a starter on the NFC. And he mentioned that how much it affected him, that it was his peers that voted him to that honor. Yeah, I mean, look, the Pro Bowl can be looked at in a lot of different ways. And you look at some of these guys like, you know, TJ Watt, if we're going to be honest, he missed a handful of games and still he gets. Sometimes it's based off perception. Uh, there's other times that you go out and you earn it every single year like Buda Baker has done it. And again, you look at what he's been able to do playing through injuries, but also just the, his statistics of what he's able to do on a defense that you know has had some struggles. And that's one stat that we've talked about on this show is anytime you see a safety as a leading tackler, you know it's a long day for a defense. And he has been the leading tackler way too often. Now it also speaks volumes because he is that type of a player that is going to be able to make the line of scrimmage. He does such a good job of run blitzing and even blitzing in general, but more 
so the run blitzes that he's able to get guys down to the ground. But to have those accolades and have that year in and year out that everybody looks to you and say, this is a guy that is a mainstay as a starter in the Pro Bowl because he's a soft-spoken guy. I mean, he was super young when I was here with him, but loved being teammates with him. You could see the way that he worked, the way that he prepared, how much it meant to him, all of these things. So to see the, the light that he is actually getting shined on him now, it's no surprise at all. Five times now named a Pro Bowler, four in a row at the safety position. So think about it. We were in training camp this August, and there was some chatter that maybe Jalen Thompson had reached the the same level. Maybe, dare I say, eclipsed a Buda Baker in terms of the caliber of his play. So we can um, dismiss that narrative. JT's a great safety, but he's not Buda Baker. Buda Baker is truly elite in the NFL. And to me, I think about the playoff game. I think of how hard he was playing in L.A. in a game that had been decided before halftime. And he left that game on a stretcher. He was carted off. And for him to come back with the same sort of vengeance, and remember, he's a new dad himself, Buda Baker. So just much respect for all the above. Not only the face of uh, the defense, but also when you got training camp, Paul, the face of Hard Knocks, one of those promos of him doing shoulder shrugs. Oh, and no. that led to some, well, let's just say that Paul Calvisi put his foot in his mouth. <laughs> Come on. Oh, the shrugs? Yeah, I think I saw myself. Yeah, those, those, those were 110s, baby. Those were 110s, so it was pretty heavy. It's more than your body weight. <laughs> ah, you got jokes. Uh, 110? Come on, man. Fudge. Okay, combine. Come on, come on. All right, great. Okay, okay. I feel better now. Nice kick save there and, uh, for uh, Paul Calvisi. Nobody there. shrugs with one dumbbell. I mean, I assumed everybody knew and everybody saw the clip. He's got one in each hand. 110 times 2 equals 220 more than his body weight. That'd be pot calling kettle Come black on. when you're talking about, you know. Yeah. There's nobody, <laughs> nobody in the media, all right, who, who takes, who would ever dare to take a shot at someone's <laughs> size from Paulie Pencilneck over here. Believe me, that's one area I don't cross. That is the third rail. Yeah. Buddha plays much bigger than his stature and it's unfortunate you're not going to see him the rest of the regular season unless i'm just going to hold the door open no. just a crack no no fraction no not even a fraction shoulder tape it up see number three out there if there was a playoff game out oh, there yeah, there, yeah i could see right. him pulling a jj exactly. watt i could see yeah maybe so okay that was my me this year thanks jim omohundro for rehashing that all the way back in tennessee in august appreciate that cardinals with two more games left in atlanta And at San Francisco, we'll touch on the Falcons who are struggling just like the Arizona Cardinals. That's ahead. Here it is, the Arizona Cardinals Red Sea Report on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. Second down and 10. Man in motion is Dort. McSorley under center. Give to Connor, looking left, runs off tackle, left side, 20-10, races inside the five and into the end zone. James Connor houses it from 22 yards out. That's the Cardinals' run game, wearing down the defense in the fourth quarter, and it pays off with a first touchdown of the game. And it all started by putting the quarterback under center with 12 personnel, one back, two tight ends, run the ball, tackle zone concept, James Conner houses it. 
A great play call by Hall over there. The 22-yard touchdown run to make it 16-6 to in favor of the Cardinals. Yeah, they would not win 19-16 in overtime on Sunday, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But did you notice, Drew, how quick Wolf was to notice that McSorley was under center on that play call? Yeah, I mean, look, if you listen to a Ron Wolfley <laughs> broadcast, you're going to hear some things that are going to repeat themselves every single week. Talking about the personnel, it always matters. And then anytime they're under center or about, you know, imposing their will or any of, you know, you can tell that it is, he is a hard-nosed fullback at heart and he wants everybody to know that's the way the game should be played. You know what's interesting is before the game we went and we're talking a lot of the former Cardinals assistants who are now coaches, right, for the Tampa, including Bruce Arians. B.A. saw Wolf, and he looked at him. The first thing he said is, 41 is not a fullback, Wolf, because that's their hybrid tight end, Co-Keefe, the rookie. B.A. just immediately jammed Wolf with the whole, we don't have a fullback, capiche? I'll say this, though. On the failed pitch, it was James Conner lined up in front of Keontae Ingram as a quote-unquote fullback. But again, that was just one play out of many this season. Would like to see more of James Conner, whether it's against the Falcons or against the 49ers, because he did run the ball very, very well. 79 rushing yards on Sunday in the loss. And what we would also like to see coming up this week is more involvement out of DeAndre Hopkins. Just one catch for four yards on 10 targets. Greg Dortch got more of the receptions in that loss on Sunday. Here's the head coach, Cliff Kingsbury. Yeah, I thought, you know, Hop definitely had some opportunities when he was he was open and we weren't able to get the ball to him. And then I got to do a better job of in-game adjustments, um, finding ways if the ball is not coming to him in the flow of the offense, finding ways to get him the football. So we can't, you know, leave a game with, with him just having one catch. But I was proud of Dorch's performance. He continues to improve and, um, you know, he, he's progressed a long way in the season. I'll guarantee you this, Drew, whether it is McSorley or it is Colt as the quarterback this week, Hopkins is going to maybe not get the same number of targets, but he'll have more catches this week than just the one as he did on Sunday. I think I'll have more targets too. <laughs> I think that make up for yeah. lost time. Well, you what was the streak of how many games in a row with a catch? Hundred and forty five. Yeah, so they were gonna do everything in their power to make sure they at least got him one, which they need to do, right? And sometimes I remember being with Larry or with Reggie Wayne, he had yep. multiple catches that it was that ball was getting in their hands to start. So this doesn't even become an issue later on where everybody's kinda of sitting there looking and waiting and trying to figure it out. But, again, in order for this team to to be uh, who they want to be, in order for this offense to be who it needs to be in order to win football games, DeAndre Hopkins has to be that influential piece. He has to be everything to this offense because he has the capability of doing it. Um, you know, it, it's all so hard because you're going with a younger quarterback that it's his first career start. The timing, the throw, all of that stuff is just different. And when you have somebody that Kyler Murray, and he's talked about it before, he makes plays off schedule. He does all of these things young quarterbacks are not going to do that when their eyes come down they're probably looking to scramble so you've got to be able to as Cliff talked about in the lead and you've got to find ways to get the ball in his hands and have it game planned from the very onset of the week of having that box as I've talked about before of these are the plays that we know the ball is going to get in his hands or he's the primary wide receiver based on the coverages we're going to see this week if it's single high and it's off coverage throw him a hitch, throw him a slant, get the ball in his hands. And it doesn't necessarily have to be a screen or anything like that. You want to be able to get it moving and get him downfield, get him in the slot more, be able to do all these things. And again, 
the other thing that we've talked about is being able to consistently stick with a run game. And James Conner has showed within the last month of the season that he wants to carry that load, that he can carry that load like we saw last year, and he has that kind of capability. And it doesn't matter if it's Cliff start or if it's Colt starting or Cliff starting. I don't care. You can start whoever <laughs> you want at quarterback or, or Trace. You need to have a run game. You've got to be able to do that. I thought that they've been doing some good things in the run game. They've just got to be able to stick with it because you see the play-action pass, the intermediate pass game, all of that stuff opens itself up when you're capable of doing it. Cardinals this week in Atlanta. 11 a.m. is the kickoff. 6.30 pregame coverage begins here on the Arizona Cardinals radio network. And you look at the Falcons, Paul, 5 and 10. They have lost four straight, six of seven. Sound familiar? They've only won. Well, they've all, their four of their five wins have come at home. But this, again, you're talking about a rookie quarterback in Desmond Ritter, someone that maybe was not going to see the field this season, but then Marcus Mariota, they made a decision to bench him, then he undergoes knee surgery. So it is Desmond Ritter for the foreseeable future in Atlanta. So you're going from Tom Brady, who's now made 331 career starts, to Desmond Ritter and his third career start. So you're saying there's going to be a difference in QB acumen. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Let's hope there is. Yeah. And look, there are things to be gained. All right, you know, Trace McSorley, you need to get a better idea of him because guess what? It doesn't look like you can count on a Kyler Murray at least the first month of next season. We'll see. Chase Young just came back, took him 13 months from his knee injury. Chris Godwin, on the other hand, did it in eight or nine months. So it differs. We ha- It's an unknown. So you need to figure out more about Trace McSorley and or Colt McCoy. And then there's plenty of young guys out there. And against Desmond Ritter, you want to find out more about these corners. Where exactly are you? Cam Thomas, what exactly is he? What do you want to do with him, especially now with the absence of a J.J. Watt in that retirement? Is he going to go the Zach Allen route, put on a little more weight, be a five technique? My J. Sanders, there's, there are things to be gained in these final two games. You just hope to see them materialize here at the end of the year. Sanders and Ritter, teammates at Cincinnati as well. So you got that storyline here. But again, on paper, Drew, it is a winnable game. Yet, you got to go out and execute, and that's been the issue for this Cardinals team during this recent slide. It is, but it's a very winnable game. You've got to go on the East Coast, which is, presents these challenges. Run the ball, stop the run. That's how you beat the Falcons. This is a team that's going to try and run the ball. It comes from that Tennessee uh, type of mentality. You have to be able to do those things, and you're going to give yourself a chance. 11 a.m. is the kickoff on Sunday. Special thanks behind the scenes, Jim Omohundro, Lauren Koval. For Drew Stanton, Paul Calvisi, I'm Craig Rayalu. This has been the Cardinals Red Sea Report on the Arizona Cardinals Radio Network. You've been listening to the Cardinals Red Sea Report. 15-10-5, touchdown, Zach Ertz. Buda Baker with the sack, stripped the ball. Murray's going to score, touchdown. Oh, baby. The Cardinals Red Sea Report is brought to you by the Arizona Cardinals mobile app. Visit azcardinals.com slash app. Touchdown, Cardinals win. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club. (laughs) 